our third week of the vision series. Uh, week one, we dealt with the importance of having a vision. And then last week, I shared our uh, vision for the next five years, what we're calling our 2020 vision. Uh, and we noted that it is grounded in and motivated by the Great Commission. We noted that it's going to require everyone to buy into it. Uh, we noted that it's going to require persistence in the face of opposition, uh, discipline to stay focused in the face of distractions, and that it was going to require each of us committing to remaining in Christ and recognizing Him as uh, our source. By the way, if you weren't here last week, uh, I'd like to encourage you to listen online or, or request a copy of the message, and uh, we'll, we'll have that for you next week, a CD copy if you'd like that. Um, Really appreciate you staying current, if this is your church home, uh, with what's shared each week, any time that you miss. And uh, so we have those available to you. We'd love to have you um, take advantage of those uh, resources. Uh, I would also encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to make sure that you pick up a written copy of the 2020 Vision. Uh, they are available on either side of the sound booth. At least they should still be available there. And uh, you can pick those up uh, as you leave today. Did you guys enjoy Super Sunday? Yeah. I, thought it, I thought it was uh, an enjoyable time. I thought it was enjoyable enough that I think we're going to uh, make it an annual event. And I want to, again, thank a few people. I want to thank Mark Werner for uh, building the, the goalposts that were uh, outside and inside. I want to thank Paul Leffler, Ray Bazaar, and Mark McDaniel for striping our uh, little football field out there and preparing those tires for, uh, you know, throwing the ball through them. I want to thank Rob Sexton and the Amherst Village Connect Group for all their uh, help with the food and preparing it and serving it. And everyone who helped set up, everyone who helped clean up, uh, those who served in flight school, you know, we only had one service, so those who served in flight school weren't able to actually be in a service and, and hear the vision last week, so I appreciate them doing that. There were just a lot of people who invested in last week's service, and uh, we greatly appreciate all of you, and uh, thank you uh, for your service. So... Um, Today, I am asking you to open your hearts and, uh, and receive as I share about aligning with our 2020 uh, vision. I think this is an important thing, making sure that we all together are aligned with uh, the vision. I mentioned this last week. Anytime that you hear Urban Meyer uh, talk about the success of the Ohio State football program, he talks about the importance of organizational alignment. Everyone in the program committed to the same goals and values, everyone buying into the culture of the program, and everyone working hard to achieve uh, the goals that they have each year. And, and this is vitally important to any kind of organization. When everybody in an organization is united around a common purpose, everybody is unified around the vision and values of an organization, those organizations will be successful much more so than organizations where no one ever agrees on anything. I mean, this is just, this is just simple stuff. I mean, you imagine, uh, imagine with me, you know, that one of Ohio State's coaches decides that there's a better way to do things. 
than, than what Urban Meyer has put into place. And, and he decides he's not in alignment with, with what Coach Meyer has done. And, and so he starts telling players, you know, don't worry about that. Instead, let's do it this way. Uh, that program is going to end up having a difficult time uh, being successful. And of course, uh, with our familiarity with Urban Meyer, that coach probably doesn't have a job either. But uh, the organization is going to have a hard time uh, being successful. If a, if a player on the team decides to give lip service to being all in, but, but doesn't actually act on that, doesn't put the work in in the weight room, never pays attention during meetings, when coaches are teaching and training, instructing him internally in his head, instead of actually listening and absorbing, he is arguing with what they're saying, pushing back against what they're saying. The team's going to have a tough time uh, being successful. And if these things happen enough with enough people on the team, then that program is going to end up with very little chance of success. And this is true in any kind of an organization. Visions thrive in unity. They die in division. And it's just as important for a church and for this church to have organizational alignment as it is for a football program, a business, or any other type of organization. If we all buy in and push in the same direction, share the same commitments, the same values, the same goals, empowered by God's Spirit, we're going to have a good opportunity to see our vision fulfilled. But if we all pull in different directions, if a ministry leader goes rogue, and by the way, that, that hasn't happened, okay? I am just, this is, this is theoretical here this morning. If a, if a ministry leader goes rogue and, and doesn't follow the direction set uh, by, by the elders, if, if a ministry team member only gives lip service to being all in but really isn't, if members of the congregation publicly uh, voice support for the vision, but privately they determine that it's not that important, then we're going to have a difficult time seeing the 2020 vision fulfilled. Alignment is so important. And so for a few minutes, I just want to share a few things that I think are vitally important for aligning with our 2020 vision. These are things that every person who considers this your church home needs to be committed to. And let me just kind of insert uh, uh, something here, a, a brief mention here about one way that you can align with our vision that, that isn't really the focus of my talk today, but, but that is by committing to be a member of the church. Look, if you're visiting with us today for the first time, or this is like your second or third visit, this, this isn't, uh, you know, toward you. But if you've been here for six months, a year, uh, 18 months, and, and, and you consider this your church home, but you have not become a member, I would appeal to you uh, to align with us by becoming a member. You are always welcome here, whether you're a member or not. You can serve in most of the ministries of our church, whether you're a member or not. But membering is an important way that you communicate that you're all in with what we're doing and that you can be counted on uh, to go to work 
and help us out. And so if this is your church home, but you've never formally membered, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, It's a way that you can align with a vision. It's a way that you can let us know that you can be counted on. So as they say, that one was for free, and now we will move on to the rest of the ways we can align with the vision. Here's the first one. Aligning with the vision includes knowing and embracing the vision. For us to accomplish the vision that I shared last week in the next five years, we're going to need every member here to actually know what the vision is. How can you work to accomplish something, work to see something fulfilled, if you don't even know what it is? Now, now no one is going to expect you to be able to recite the vision word for word. But a couple of months from now, if you're a member here, I should be able to stop you in the hallway and ask, what is our 2020 vision? And within some general vicinity of accuracy, you should be able to at least hit the main points of the vision. Andrew Lang has our middle schoolers uh, attempting to memorize the Nicene Creed. And this week, Austin, my youngest son, uh, was reciting this for me at home, and he had memorized about half of it at this point that he was reciting it for me. And I'll tell you what, uh, chills went up my spine as I uh, heard my son reciting this great creed uh, of the church. And and by the way, I appreciate Andrew for doing that. And uh, those of you who know Andrew, he has served faithfully teaching our middle schoolers for years now. He taught when his kids were in the program, but now his kids have long moved past the program and he has remained faithful to uh, teaching our middle schoolers. And I'm I'm thankful that he uh, has done that. And, And so I appreciate him having the kids memorize this. And here's the thing, you can know our vision. You can memorize the vision. If our middle schoolers can memorize the Nicene Creed, and I do realize they have a bit of an advantage on those of us who are getting older. Their, their, their minds are a little more nimble. I, I get that. Uh, but if they can memorize the Nicene Creed, I'm confident that if we give a good effort, we can know what our vision is. It might take some work, but you can do it. And, and if you're a member here, I'm asking you to know what the 2020 vision is. But you can know something and still fail to embrace it. We, we need everyone to not only know what the vision is, but to embrace the vision. You know, any organization that you're a part of you need to be able to embrace the vision of that place. In my opinion, there is nothing that is more destructive and frankly more annoying than someone who is a part of something but doesn't actually buy into it. You you know, they're the people who are, and you may know these people at your work. Uh, Hopefully you aren't one of these people. If you are, stop being one of these people. But you know who these people are because they are always rolling their eyes at whatever is said within the organization. You know, their, their supervisor comes in and introduces some new initiative for the company and they're the ones that walk down the hall and roll their eyes and yeah, that'll never happen. Don't, don't, be, don't be that kind of person. I love interacting with employees of businesses that actually have bought into the business that they're a part of. 
You, you know, when I get somebody helping me at the, at the window of Wendy's, and their actions say that they think that is the most important thing that anybody could be doing on the face of the earth, I love that person. I want to give them a big old hug and say, you are going to be incredibly successful in life. And sometimes I, not the hug part, but sometimes I have said that you are going to be extremely successful. But I get super annoyed when an employee of a business lets me know that what they're doing is beneath them. And they're just passing the time. And, and, and this company, yeah, this, this isn't something I'm really into. When I eat at a restaurant and an employee unsolicited tells me what a great job their management does about caring for customers, I love that. I just think that is so awesome. But I've been in businesses before, and so have you, where the employee thinks that like it's safe to, to share with you how they really feel about their company. And they'll say things like, I hate it here. This place is so lame. This, this place, just, it, it's, it's just awful here. It's so lame. And here's what I always want to say. I've never said it. I've thought it. I've tried to telepathically communicate it to the person, but I've not quite said it. I want to say, well, it would be less lame if you weren't so lame. <laughs> That's what I want to say. I've hinted at that before, but I've never quite come out and all the way said it. If you are going to be a part of something, your company you work for, a sports team, a a church, embrace it, own it, be excited about it. And so I appeal to everyone to know the vision and to wholeheartedly embrace the vision. It is a good vision. It is grounded in and motivated by the, uh, by the Great Commission. If you cannot embrace this, if you cannot get behind it, and, and I know most of you are, uh, then there's something that's wrong. I do understand that, that, that most all of you are embracing it, as far as I know, all of you are, and, and will continue to do so. But if there's someone that's kind of hiding in the shadows and you are struggling to embrace the vision, I plead with you, I appeal to you to honestly examine what is going on with me that I cannot get behind this. What's going on with you if your attitude is, 125 people being baptized in the next five years. Eh, whatever. All of us trained to share our faith. Why do we all need to share our faith? Why, why do I need to share my faith? That, that's just too much to expect all of us to be out there sharing our faith. 250 more people committed to Christian community. I don't know. That just doesn't do much for me. I can't get excited about things like that. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Know the vision and embrace the vision. Next, aligning with the vision also includes praying for the vision to be fulfilled. We pray for things that are important to us. The fulfillment of the vision needs to be important to those of us who consider Vineyard Pataskala to be our church home. 
We also pray for things that we recognize we cannot accomplish in our own strength. Now, obviously, God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. He can do immeasurably more than the things contained in the 2020 vision. As I shared with you last week, it's actually, in comparison to God, it's a very modest vision. God can do way more than that. But the truth remains that we are going to need God's power. We're going to need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to see the things in that vision fulfilled in the next five years. I mean, if it was super easy, we would have already done it, right? And so we are going to need God's empowerment to see those things accomplished. The vision is beyond our ability to accomplish in our own strength. We also pray for things that we know are God's will. And that are good for other people. 125 people being baptized is something that God is for. And it'll be great for those 125 people. 250 more people committed to Christian fellowship is something that God is for. And it will be great thing, a great thing for those 250 people. All of us sharing our faith is God's will for us. It is good for others. And it is good for us. And so aligning with the vision includes praying for the vision. So aligning means knowing and embracing the vision. It means praying for it. And aligning with the vision includes being willing to step out of our comfort zone, all of us together and individually being willing to be stretched and to step out of our comfort zone. If you're uncomfortable inviting people to uh, church and sharing your faith, you're going to have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and do those very things. If you're uncomfortable with the idea of leading a small group, but the opportunity is presented to you and there is a need, which there is a need if we're going to see the vision fulfilled, then you're going to need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and say, well, you know what? I didn't see myself leading a small group. I've never thought of myself that way, but this leader seems to think I can do it, so maybe I can. I'll, I'll give it a go. But I need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. If you like the familiarity of your small group the way it is, I like it just like it is. But fulfilling the vision requires more small groups. You're going to need to be willing to to give up your comfort zone, to be a part of a a group that leaves an established group to start a new one, or, or, or to be willing to say goodbye to some of your friends as they leave to establish a new group. Not goodbye forever. They're not going to China or the Middle East. They're just going to another part of Pataskala. You'll still see them on Sundays, but you need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Now, we have a church that I think, percentage-wise, is pretty highly engaged and pretty highly committed to ministry. So I don't say this as if this applies to everybody, this next thing, but it does apply to some people. And so if this doesn't apply to you, you should know that, and you don't need to get upset and think that I'm talking to you. But if this next thing does apply to you, open your heart and receive it. Some of you have a very narrow allowance for when and how you'll serve. And some folks are going to have to be willing to step out of their comfort zone and say, instead of limiting my service to once every three months, I think I could serve once every other month. 
Or some might be willing, need to be willing to say, actually, you know what? I think with the type of service this is, I could probably serve in this way every month. That was popular. Uh, <laughs> for folks to encounter God in such a way that they are set free from hurts, depression, and harmful habits, some folks are going to need to be willing to step out of their comfort zone and go to celebrate recovery, to find healing in their own lives, and then join that ministry uh, and help others find healing in their lives. Some folks are going to need to be willing to respond to the Holy Spirit in a moment when he prompts you to go and pray for someone right now. Not, not when you get home at your own bedside, but go and pray directly for that person right now in this moment. Knowing that when we're obedient to God in those moments, sometimes that is the, the, the time when God has chosen to act powerfully in that person's life and set them free. So people are going to need to be willing to step out of their comfort zone and be obedient to God. Aligning with a vision means no longer seeing church as a place you go, but who you are. Aligning with a vision means no longer seeing the Great Commission as just something uh, that you hope happens, but allowing it to be something that actually motivates you. That fulfilling it is actually what your life is about. You see, the mission that Jesus left his church is the mission of all believers, not just a select few. It's not just the mission of religious professionals. And the 2020 vision is not just for a select few people here at the vineyard. It is for every member, and that leads us to this. Aligning with the vision means having a ministry, a job that helps lead to the fulfillment of of the vision. And I say job because that is what ministry should be viewed as. Listen, friends, ministry is not something that is supposed to be viewed as what we'll do when it's convenient, something we'll do when we have a little extra time. Nobody ever has extra time. Every Christian is to have a job and they are to be committed to serving the mission of the church universal and the vision of their local church. And their responsibility for that job requires the same type of commitment as their employment. Yeah. I want to read from Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. 11 and 12. This is our text for today. It took us a longer time than usual to get to a text, but we do have one. It's a famous passage, and here's what it says. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Many translations say, for the work of ministry. So that the whole body may be built up until we, and I'm going into 13, until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Just a few things that I want to note about this passage. First, it lets us know that every Christian is a minister. Every single one. 
The, the, the passage says that Christ gave these various leaders to the church for a specific purpose, to prepare God's people for the work of ministry or for works of service. It does not say prepare some of God's people. It does not say prepare a few special people. It does not say prepare those who have a lot of extra time on their hands. It simply says prepare God's people. That's all of them for works of service. Every Christian is a minister. Every Christian should have a ministry. And the passage lets us know what ministry is. Ministry, very simply, is service. It's service. God's people to be prepared for the work of ministry is what many translations say. The NIV says works of service because that's what ministry is. It is service. William MacDonald writes of this passage, the ministry is not a specialized occupation limited to men with professional training. The word simply means service. It includes every form of spiritual service. And what this verse teaches is that every believer should be in the ministry. If you're a believer and you don't have a ministry, then you are failing to serve the mission of the church. And honestly, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Ministry is service. Every Christian is to be a minister. And so every Christian is to be serving in the context of the mission of God in the world. You need to be serving in the mission of the church and by extension, the vision of this church if you're a believer and you call this your church. Here's the third thing to take from this passage. Every Christian is a minister, but each Christian has a unique role to fill. Verse 11 uh, shares with us five unique ministry roles. There are five leadership roles. They are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And, and some people see in this four roles, and they say that pastor and teacher are, are one role. And there's a lot that could be said here that I'm not taking the time to say today. You know, there are a couple of kind of, I don't want to call them controversial, but they're roles that people kind of debate about what they should be and what they look like in the church today. One of those uh, is apostle. You know, some people say that that's no longer an active role. Uh, Others point out that it simply means uh, one that is sent out. And they note that really anybody who goes into new areas with the gospel and establishes churches in new areas is operating under some kind of apostolic uh, uh, gifting. Uh, Prophet is another debated role. We're not going to take the time to go into that today. Uh, Of course, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are pretty, pretty universally accepted by people. There's not a lot of debate about that. But here's what matters for our purposes today. These roles were leadership roles. And in every local church, God gives to that church leaders. And he gives that church leaders for the purpose of equipping the entire church for service. Our text says that God gives these leaders to prepare God's people for works of service. The leaders are never absolved from the responsibility of serving themselves, but their primary responsibility is preparing others for service. Now, 
In too many churches, something very unbiblical happens. And again, I I recognize I'm largely preaching to the choir today. Uh, Many people in the vineyard have grabbed hold of this concept. Uh, but, But I know there are still people who have not. And so those of you who need to hear this, please Please hear it. In too many churches, something very unbiblical happens. The congregation views the pastors, the children's leaders, the uh, outreach leaders, the prayer ministry leaders, all the various leaders in the church as the ministers. Those are the ministers. Those are the ones who do the ministry. And the rest of the church sees its role as being there to approve of and cheer on the ministers or sometimes to disapprove of and criticize the ministers. Uh, here's an appropriate analogy, and I, uh, of course, I, I, I don't want to assume that ladies don't like football. Some of you do, but if, but if some of you ladies don't like football and this analogy doesn't work for you, I'm sorry, but it fits and it's what I've got. So, so it's what I'm going with. So here's an analogy. Many churches think of their leaders as the players on a football team. And they think of the rest of the church as the fans in the stands. And so as the leaders do good at ministry, the fans cheer and the the fans approve and, and the fans really like, go team, go ministers, you're doing good. But then, when the leaders do bad at ministry... The fans do what fans do. They turn to each other and complain about how the, how the people out on the field are doing. And if the people on the field do bad enough, long enough, then they start to boo. Boo, you guys stink. And that's, that's what they do. Here's a better analogy. And this one is actually consistent with the Bible, consistent with Ephesians 4, the church. Each believer that makes up the local church, they are the players on the field. And the leaders are the coaches of the team. The coaches prepare the team. They assign the individual team members their roles. They encourage and high-five the team when they're coming off the field and they've done a good job And they correct and teach and encourage in a different way when the team is coming off the field and they haven't done such a good job. That's the better analogy. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone is a minister, but there are different roles on the team. There are coaches, there are linemen, there are defensive players, there are offensive players. They are all needed for the team to function well. And one of the greatest things that could happen for increased effectiveness of churches is for Christians to stop thinking of leaders as the ministers, to stop thinking of leaders as the whole team and the congregation as the people in the stands and instead realize that it is the whole church that is the team on the field. And the the, the leaders are simply the coach's task with putting the team in position to be successful. Now, again, I think most people here uh, do get this, but there are some who still need to have your thinking changed about these things. Leaders equip. That includes teaching. That includes training. And it also includes getting individual team members in the best positions to be successful. 
Carrying on with the football analogy, sometimes someone who uh, has been recruited to play defensive back gets switched to wide receiver for the good of the team. Sometimes an offensive lineman is asked to switch to defensive line and play there instead for the good of the team. Like in football, so it is with church leaders. They try to get the members of the team into positions that are the most natural for them and where they are the most gifted. But every once in a while, somebody needs to make a sacrifice for the team. Someone needs to move into a role that might not be what they initially saw themselves doing, but they're needed there for the good of the team. Or sometimes you discover about a team member that they are equally gifted in a number of areas. But maybe the team most needs them in an area different than the one that they're in. And so they're asked to switch to help the team be the most successful. And so we need a church that embraces this kind of view of things. All Christians as ministers, but with unique roles and with leaders primarily tasked with getting everyone else equipped and serving and in the right roles to make the greatest impact. And it's easy for us to say yes to these things in theory. It is hard for us to walk them out. It is hard for pastors who are conditioned like whipped puppies to know that if they ever suggest to someone that they might like to move them in a different role, they're going to get beat senseless. Figuratively. And it's hard for any of us who are the person that's approached and said, hey, you know, I I really think you'd be more fruitful over here. These are hard things, but, but we have to be able to do these kind of things if we're, if we're going to be as fruitful as what I think God wants us to be. Here's something that needs said in response to Ephesians 4. The clergy laity mentality is unbiblical and is counterproductive to the mission of the church. This divide between clergy the ministry experts slash professionals, and laity, people who come to church but don't know how to do anything, is not a biblical concept. It's not. The biblical concept is that all Christians are ministers. They just have different roles. There are leadership roles And if you put someone who's not called into a leadership role into a leadership role, you've got a problem. But it's not a clergy laity problem. It's just a problem. Some of those leadership roles are vocational roles. But those are simply one type of role within the church. Every single Christian is a minister. To view only leaders as the minister is wrong or as the ministers is wrong, but likewise for church leaders to ever have the view that they're the only ones who can do ministry is equally as wrong and equally as counterproductive. Luckily for you, your leaders don't have that view. So we support you being ministers. The enthusiasm in the room is really just like (laughs) making me weepy. It's making me weepy. 
This mentality is counterproductive to the mission of the church because it fails to involve the whole team in the game. Have you ever seen a football team try to win only using one player? Ohio State tried it against Michigan State. It didn't work very well, did it? You got to have the whole team involved in the game. I wanted to say more about this, but it's getting late. And the lack of electricity is getting disconcerting. So So we see in our text that leaders equip and every believer ministers or serves toward what end? What, what, What is this all leading to? Here's what the text says. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness uh, in Christ. When will we attain the whole measure of fullness in Christ? I would say that's not happening until Jesus returns. So until then, leaders prepare God's people for ministry so that the body of Christ can be built up. And that includes both evangelism and discipleship. The body of Christ is built up as more people enter into it, and it is built up as people who are already in it grow in their faith, are strengthened in their faith. And so here's what all of this that I've been sharing over the last few minutes very simply means. Aligning with the vision means saying yes to serving, yes to being a minister, yes to having a job that helps in some way toward fulfilling the vision. And here's what this means. Aligning with the vision means rejecting religious consumerism. And look, I know we have a lot of people. I I think most of our church is absolutely on board with this. You get this. You do reject religious consumerism, and you're doing this very thing. You are serving, and we we thank you for that. But I need to be honest. At least if I have assessed things correctly, and I always recognize that, that perhaps I haven't, but if I have assessed things correctly, there are still a large number of people who consider this your church home but you're not serving. You're not. You attend, and we're thankful you attend, but you're not actually doing ministry yourself. You're not actually serving anyone. You're not actually, at least as far as what we can see, you're not actually serving God's mission in the world. And I don't say this as a rebuke at all. I say it as an appeal Please honestly examine yourself. And if your honest examination uh, confirms what I'm saying here and you recognize I'm not serving in any way, I'm asking you to commit to change that. Commit today to change that. Ask God to do whatever has to be done in you to see that change, to change your heart, to, to, to motivate you to get involved in what he's doing in the world. So we have to reject religious consumerism. We have to see ourselves as we really are, a team member, not a consumer, a team member. Someone who has a shared mission with all other Christians in the world, but you have a specific role, and you need to be open to being prepared by leaders, and that includes being approached and asked to step up and to begin serving. Be open to that. Be open to that. We want every member to be serving. 
in one of the four areas that I outlined for us last week. And I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next two weeks, but sometime over the next couple of months, the next year, if you're not serving, we're going to be asking you, what can we do to get you serving? What can we do to get you on the team and, and functioning as a, as a contributing team member? And some of you, we might be coming to you and asking, hey, would you consider switching roles for us? We appreciate what you've done in this role, but we think you could be really helpful to the church in this area over here. Would you consider doing that? Be open. Be open. Consider it. Prayerfully look into it. It's biblical. Leaders prepare the entire church for service. And so aligning with the vision means rejecting religious consumerism and saying yes to serving. Why don't you stand